Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 161. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with business owners all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieved this through my coaching and online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought and business leaders create and enjoy success and to identify the common strategies and techniques as well as the mindset that they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is really simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life, but in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to achieve your goals. Now, on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we have got a great guest lined up for the show, Jessica Fiokovic. Now, Jessica first became an entrepreneur at the age of 25, and since then has been able to successfully establish, develop, and sell multiple small businesses in a number of different industries. As an entrepreneur, Jessica is passionate about small business driving our economy. Because of this, she is committed to educating and supporting entrepreneurs and small businesses communities. As well as that, in the last eight years, Jessica has been able to build her business brokerage firm from a two-person team to one of the top firms in the country. Under her leadership, the office has been a number one trans world business advisor franchise location in the world for the last five years, has made the Inc. 5000 list for the last three years, and has been recognized by Financial Times, the Denver Business Journal, and others. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so looking forward to speaking to you. Um, So before we really dive into this, can you give us a little bit of a backstory that's brought you to this point today? Yeah, so um, I was not uh, an entrepreneur by birth. I I don't have any of those stories of selling lemonade stands or anything like that. Um, But after college, I graduated and I started the corporate career uh, like a lot of people do. And um, not unlike a lot of others, uh, I hit the 2008, 2009 recession. Um, And in that recession, I was laid off from my corporate job and had to try and like reevaluate what I was going to do with my life. I was only, I think, 26 of the time. So um, it was at that point that I had my entrepreneurial epiphany and decided that, you know, I don't want anyone else to control my life anymore, my trajectory. So I'm going to control my own life. And uh, my husband and I started our first business from there um, in 2009 in the depths of the recession. Um, We also started on the the Gulf Coast of Florida uh, just three months after that big BP oil spill. So our timing wasn't great, Um, but yeah. It, uh, it worked out for us and and uh, we ended up through that business. We sold that business and bought others and sold others. And um, pretty soon we got this knack for buying and selling businesses, which led us to our current business, which is a business brokerage firm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those stories of like, I don't think I knew the path exactly um, when I was, you know, 22 and graduating school, but I, I let the path unveil slowly to me and, and everything has worked out the way it's needed to. 
Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So um, I suppose the, the question of what... What was the driving force behind and what sort of things do you think were going through your head when you just bounced through through a recession and it wasn't an easy one um, and you went, I know, I'm going to start my own business. What, what for you? Because there'll be people right now probably thinking the same thing. They, either they've lost their jobs or I know I've spoken to a few people who have had um, – Let's just say some a light's gone off and gone. I'm not doing that anymore. I've always wanted to do this, and they 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 they're going for it. Um, can you remember the sort of things that were going through your head, or the or the attitudes you think that would be similar for people right now? Yeah, I, I actually, it's funny. It's I, I think some of these more dramatic events in your life, you remember exactly like what was going through your head, right? So I, I really do. And um, you know, so I was I was raised. Uh, my parents, I say they they have the biggest hearts of all time. My mom um, is a pediatric nurse, and my dad did child psychology all of his life for challenged communities. But I was raised to believe like a corporate job was secure. And the reason I was raised that way is because my grandparents were actually business owners and my dad saw like the ups and downs they went through. And he's like, owning a business isn't a stable job. You need a corporate career with a retirement fund and benefits. So that's why I went that direction. And in 2009, I was working for a very large corporate developer um, headquartered in New York. I was based in Colorado. And when my job got eliminated, I was just another line on a spreadsheet. Like I don't, I don't blame the CEO or anything, but he had no idea who I was. He had no idea what I did. And literally I can picture him sitting or her. Um, I'm not sure who it was at the time picture that person sitting in their office and just going line by line and just crossing people out based on budget cuts. And that epiphany for me was like, actually corporate's not secure, right? I actually have less control because I'm not I'm not involved in the high level decisions that are going to make or break my career. I have some control over it, but ultimately that decision is being made by somebody else. And that was the epiphany I have, I had, and I'm still a strong believer in it today. Look, there's a lot of risk in owning your own business. Um, but I'd much rather be in a seat where I'm in control of that risk. If I screw up, that's on me right? If something doesn't work, at least I was given the opportunity to do everything I could to make it work. Um, and so that was what was going through in my head in 2009. I, it's, it's funny. Yes. I remember exactly. Um, and it was a life-changing moment for me because it really, like I said, I love my parents. So they were great in raising me, but it, it was a different opinion that I, I formed on my own versus the one that I was raised with. Yeah, and you're so right because it, especially if it's a huge, huge company, they don't know your personality, they don't know your work ethic, they just see you as a payroll number and the department that you're in. So, to it's there's very little chance of you being able to change their minds. You know, the smaller the, the smaller the company, they may know you. That's slightly different, but yeah, I think uh, uh, I agree with what you say. It's like you know, you start, you own your own business. My, um, all of my family are entrepreneurs. They are owned from, my grandfather used to own confectionery. My father-in-law was a printer. My mum's an estate agent. Um, you know, it's, it, there's a range of things and I see that and I see, I do see the struggle and obviously I own my own business and it's the most liberating, frustrating, joy giving 
you know, energy sucking thing that you can ever have is own your own business. But it does give, yeah, but it does give you the ability to make your decisions and pivot based on your decisions, not someone, you know, someone else is going to just say that's, that's it. That's gone. Um, until the pandemic comes and then that's <laughs> yeah, slightly that's different. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how, for you, before we get into the the sort of the interesting stuff, which is the the buying and selling businesses and stuff, how do you, how are you dealing with the uncertainty of what's going on right now within your business? Yeah, it's that's a great question, and it's and to be honest, it's been really hard. Um, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm a firstborn. I'm a Type A um, on the disc scale. I'm a high D. I like control. Like I like predictability. And, uh, for me, it's personally been really, really challenging, but it's also, I'm starting to look at it as it's probably the greatest leadership lesson that I and everyone else is going to learn in our lifetimes. And really what I've decided to do with my company has been very honest and we're a very transparent company. Anyway, the whole team knows exactly where we stand, um, you know, cash flow positions, all that kind of stuff. And we've got a very close knit team and I'm very lucky for that, but I've been very transparent. Um, but also I've challenged myself that I have to lead from a place of certainty, even on the days where I'm not super certain what's going to happen in the world. I have to lead from a place that at least I believe we are the best team suited to come out of this. And I, I believe that we will come out of this and we will come out better. And um, so that's, that's really the, men, the mental piece that I've had. Um, tactically, we, we've moved to a very fluid environment. We've actually been a hybrid in-person virtual team for a very long time. Um, we have offices across the state of Colorado and also in Texas. So we've had to be, um, but a, a very fluid environment um, in terms of what, what working means. Does that mean it's in office? If it's not, um, we've had to be fluid with hours, right? We have, um, uh, some of our employees at home that have young kids and they're in school, out of school, in school, out of school, and it changes. So, um, we've, we've just been very, I, I think adaptable, but also like being respectful of the other people's journeys because it's, it's this pandemic's weird because it's not, it affects all aspects of our life right? It's obviously affecting businesses, but it's affecting home life. It's affecting mental health. It's affecting how kids are being raised um, and educated. And, and I think just having some empathy and understanding for what all of our employees are going through has really helped us bond as a team too. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things from that. I think the, um, um, uh, and I promise we will get to your, to actual buying and selling, but number one, how much courage do you think it and and what are the benefits do you think there is in companies or staff understanding the cash side you know the figures the stats the you know the cash flow cuz i i was always grown into out when i grew up and saw people, that was a very secret thing to keep it was the stuff for only the inner circle to know and you know it was it never never the twain shall meet when it comes to the staff and the cash for you, why do you think that transparency is so important? Yeah, and I do think my belief is I don't think it's right for every company, right? I think it depends on your culture. I think it depends on the type of employees um, that you have. Um, my employees, actually, most of my employees are ex small business owners or ex entrepreneurs, and they've come to work 
with us, right? So in our culture, um, it works very well for us. Um, but I've also chosen it actually kind of now I'm sitting here thinking about it. It goes back to that 2009 story, right? And I didn't want anybody ever to feel like the rug got pulled underneath of them. And, um, when, when the whole pandemic hit and we shut down right around mid-March in Colorado, um, I gathered my team together and we went through the numbers and I said, okay, you guys know where we're, we're looking at like on revenue. Here's where we are in profiting cash. And here's the two options we have, right? We have enough cash to get us through the next six months to be conservative. We can either lay someone off, um, or we can all take pay cuts until we come out of at least the restriction, right. Of not being able to operate as a business. Um, so it, it goes back to that 2009 story, right. Cause I felt like I didn't have a voice in that conversation and I want my employees to at least have a voice or at least see it coming. Right. Um, if something negative happens. So, yeah, I love that. I love that. And the, the other thing is, is the virtual space. Now, obviously companies have to work like that right now. Um, um, I know that myself, we are currently in a lockdown until, well, they say end of February, March, it could be April. Um, and while that's happening, only essential work is carrying out. Everyone else is working at home. And the, the amazing thing is, is like I've been working from home for the last 10 years um, and obviously big companies and, and, and companies of all different sizes have had to very much adopt and change to that way of working. Do you find virtual working, because you said you've got a mixture of both, do you find that a huge benefit or is it just something that's happening? Do you think if for many companies they'll adopt that or do you think it's just something that could be a really useful thing for the future in this new way of business at the at this present moment in time? Yeah, I think... I've always been a fan of the hybrid model, right? At, at this point, we're pretty much all virtual still. Um, we're not in lockdown, but we've just chosen to be that way. And going all virtual, it does have its cons. Um, my, my team, I was talking to one of my team members today and she was saying, it's just not the same. We just onboarded three new salespeople and she, she doesn't get to go meet them and, you know, shake their hands and all that stuff. And it's just not the same. Um, so I, I think that having an in-person component adds humanity and it helps really build relationships. But I do one thing I, I've really liked about the pandemic is there was almost this um weird stereotype about if you were working from home or if you were virtual or virtual company, it, and this might just be my perception, right. But it, that you weren't as serious of a, as a business as like, if you were, Oh, hello. I'm with you on that one. I agree. Totally. Yeah. Right. And, um, for me, it's just, it, it was a lack of inefficiency, right? We can get by with less office space. Um, my employees get more done because they don't have commutes. Um, so I, I do, I'm a big believer in that hybrid model. And we've always been that most of our employees are in the office two days a week. And the other three days are flexible at home, um, at co-working spaces, wherever they feel like they can get, be more efficient. And, I think we'll get to that point, right? I think people will still want to be in person, but working at home, working virtually, if that's what you need to do, that's where you work best. That's what fits with your life. I think that's totally acceptable now, which I think is a big pro. <laughs> Yeah, and I also think is is it's you know there's still you know I've heard of and spoken to still people that are resisting the technology sort of thing of you know doing conference calls on the you know Zoom calls or whatever yeah. God forbid you use <laughs> yeah. Teams or whatever the heck you um, that 
the the in my view is is I think those businesses are really really going to suffer if they don't embrace the technology because I think if anything when we look at how the world is now you know we've had virtual events doing things because live events can't happen and people have loved them because they've been able to be interactive, do them, but they can stay at home, stay safe, obviously, but actually realize that you don't have to travel for an hour to go to this place and walk around for 10 seconds. You can actually enjoy the whole experience by staying at home. And I think all of this is, there's a huge ability to, and and I loved the fact that you brought up that some people think that working from home is not serious business, but... For me, I love the diversity of being able to have a virtual team anywhere in the world and be able to control it. If I so chose, in my pajamas, sitting on my on my armchair at home, and I can and I can and for me, I love that versatility and that flexibility. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And the diversity of the workforce, I think, is a huge, huge component, right? Um, Even even just for us, like even not looking globally, right? We have offices in Colorado and Texas. Now, when we're looking for a new role and we're, we're hiring an admin assistant right now, I don't have one market to pull from. I, I mean, I, I have the two, but I I really could pull from anywhere in the country if I wanted to. That's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we're in this. We're in this. We're in this di- di- dilemma at this present moment, whatever the heck you want to call it. I can think of a few choice words to call it. Um, and there's an, you know, there may have been businesses beforehand wanting to sell. There may be people now thinking about it. Can I go out and buy it? There may be other people thinking of, heck, I just want to create a business that's profitable enough to sell. Um, I guess the first one is is what what is your advice for those people who are wanting to purchase a business where would they start when it comes to that yeah this is a great question and right now it's honestly is the best time to purchase the, a business there's just there's a lot of opportunity um, and there's a lot more negotiation power. Um, and then depending you know, where in the world they're in, you're, you're in, there's a lot of um, incentives that the different federal programs and governments are putting together. So if you're starting, I think really the most important part, and this sounds cliche, is to understand why you're doing it and what you're looking for. Right. So step two is usually getting some advisors around you. But the first thing those advisors are going to ask is like, why are you buying a business? What are you good at? And what do you really need out of that business? Um, so like breaking it down, you know, you think about your skill sets, right? So if you're great at sales, you're looking for a business where you're going to, your primary role is going to be sales. It doesn't make sense to buy a business that you're going to be making widgets all day, right? Cause your, your highest and best use is be in front of people. Um, you also probably are going to define your industries, right? So you can, and we see buyers all the time jump in and out of different industries, but you're probably, if you have a certain skill set, you're going to start in that industry where you have a skill set and kind of draw a circle around it, right? You're not going to jump to a whole new vertical, right? It's a big learning curve. Um, and then the next piece is you really have to be honest with yourself about what do you need financially and time out of it, right? So do you have the ability to commit to working in the business? And I mean, you and I both know it's not 40 hours a week. Usually it's a little bit more. Um, and, and then what do you need to make? Do you need to make 50,000, a hundred thousand? And, and it's okay to define that because those are actually 
all that stuff we just went through that why and that what is the search criteria you'll use uh, with your advisors and in the marketplace. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting as well, because sometimes people just don't really think about that. You know, I watched a documentary the other day and they were wanting their dream was to leave corporate and leave the city and go and buy a hotel in the Highlands in Scotland. And they thought, oh, that, you know, that's the life. I can sit and look out across the lakes and stuff. And they realized very, very quickly that owning a hotel and owning your own business is bloody hard work um they they are they you know three years on they're still doing it they love it they've got a kid and everything else but they never really understood the work that was involved in running a business and actually when you start your business the amount of hats you have to wear in that business at the beginning you know you're not just making widgets so you're not just serving the tea all of a sudden as you're the marketer you're the accountant you you know you're all of this and it's a it's a big shock to people's systems if they're not prepared right and it's changes a little bit when you buy because you might have staff in place but you still need to you still need to learn all those roles right like i tell um our business buyers all the time like don't buy a company where you're not willing to do every role, right? If you're buying a janitorial or a cleaning company, you're not willing to clean. That could be a problem down the road if one of your cleaning staff leaves and you've got to fill in for your top customer, right? Yeah, and it, it, it yeah, it, I, I mean, I remember watching my granddad who was the sweet maker and t- one day he would be swilling the floors, the next minute he'd be head into a sugar tank and he just, it would never never phase him to do it because he always said if i'm not willing to do it myself i can't get someone else to do it and you know and, and that i definitely think that's a, a work ethic to to sort of understand when you're starting your business and f- for you when you are looking at that how do people when so let's say they're the people buying it when they try to evaluate what it is. So okay, creating a valuation, because obviously, is it a bit like a house where they go, okay, it's X, and you go, no, no, it's not. We're going we're gonna to do this, because all of a sudden we try to find these things and faults and everything. Is it the same sort of type of transaction? Yeah, it's, it's very similar. So, um, but I think it could be done better, right? So there, there's um, a, a business broker like myself or the seller will set a, a listing price for the business and um, the buyer gets to make an offer. And then there's this period called due diligence, which is just like an inspection period of the house, right? They they pull back the covers, they look at everything um, and they try and find uh, potential risks in the business, we'll call it, to, to retrade the offer, right? And um, so that's what we see happen most often. Uh, one of my good friends, though, has this really great strategy. And he says, because price is always a sticking point, right, in any negotiations. But one of my uh, friends uses a strategy. He says, um, you set the price, I set the terms. And what it reminds me of is that sometimes price is not your only negotiation point. What's different um, in business sales versus a house is there's a lot of different um, structures for the deal. So you could have the seller loan you money, like uh, what's is called a seller note. You could have an earn out, which is where you basically, the seller earns a commission on revenue generated is the simplified terms. So so there, that's where I say it could be done better, but you do you see that traditional, I think it's worth X, I'm going to offer Y, and then we're going to meet somewhere in the middle, right? Okay. 
Okay. And how does someone get their business to the best possible profitability for them to sell? Is it, is, because is it, you know, you know, the one part is, is okay, get more stock in, but that's, you know, what, what is it that gets them to a point where they can give, make it more profitable, increase value? Yeah, I, there's two components, right? So we talk about the value of a business is based on the quantity of earnings and the quality of the business. So there is a component like, the more money your, your company makes, the more profit you have, the more it's worth. And that's just, you know, that's bottom line business strategy is like, how do I grow my revenue? How do I make it more profitable? How, how do I get bigger? Right. Um, and then there's a qualitative perspective and that it changes based on the dynamics of the marketplace and, and what buyers want, but there is certain factors that all buyers are looking for. And we actually, we have a prep to sell program that walks people through this, but the, the basic um, components of that is they want the business to be clean and not like physically clean, but they want um, organized books and records. They want organized processes and systems, right? They want the business to be transferable. They don't want the business to be based on any sole owner. They want people to do business with uh, my company because it's the company, not because it's Jessica, right? Um, so they want it to be transferable. Um, and then they they want some type of growth opportunity in the business. So they want the ability to grow continue to grow easily without investing more dollars. So is there an untapped customer market or is there a recurring revenue piece or is there a customer base that you could sell another product or service to upsell or cross sell? So that's really on the qualitative side. And I guess the fourth component is like a good team, right? Because no, nobody wants to come in and buy a business and then have to rehire a bunch of positions. So that's like on the qualitative side of like, how do I make my business better and more valuable? not focusing on earnings. That's, that's kind of the four buckets we find. Wow. Wow. I could talk about this for days. It's such an interesting thing to do, to do. And I mean, did, did you, once you left corporate, this is what you knew you wanted to do? No, um, not really. So actually my first business, I sold wine. Um, so we, we operated, yeah. So we operated a high-end, uh, wine retail, uh, location. We started with selling very expensive French wine all over the world at auctions and things like that. Um, and I got into it because be like, oh, it'd be fun to sell wine all day and taste wine all day. And then two years in, I was like, this, it, it's very hard to sell wine all day and taste wine all day, right? <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Um, so I sold that business and I, I knew we left money on the table because I did it very spur of the moment. It was, and this happens to a lot of people. I was burnt out and I just wanted to sell it. Um, so after that, that was my epiphany of like, this, this is what I think I, I'm made to do in the world. Wow. Okay. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go to the second part of the show. This allows me to ask you a set of questions that I ask every guest who comes on the show. So are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay, so the first question is, on average, how much time roughly do you dedicate to self-development a week? That's body, mind, and spirit. Um, at least 10 hours a week. Right. Do you have a favorite uh, sort of medium? Do you prefer 
audiobooks or reading or what what do you prefer? I do a little bit of both, but I'm an auditory learner. So I prefer audiobooks, podcasts, things like that. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, number two, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? And it doesn't have to be a traditional personal development book. Perfect, because that's my answer is not traditional. Um, so the book that's made the biggest impact on my life is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, I read it at the beginning of every year and it has taught me um, to have a profound sense of gratitude um, in my life every day. And I think that's the biggest personal development journey I could ever have. Yeah, it's a heck of a book. I, have, I haven't, I keep, I keep reading it and then putting it down because I get too emotionally sort of tied to it. But it's, um, yeah, it is a heck of a powerful book. Some amazing lessons. And by God, he's got, um, there's, he's a certain type of ch- chap when he's gone through it. Um, question number three is what app makes the biggest impact to your life or personal life? Calm. Um, the meditation app, I do their daily calm every day and it, it just helps me get centered every morning. Do you just use the guided meditation or do you use the other stuff as well? I just use the guided meditation. I'm not, um, I'm not great at meditation, right? I need a lot of help (laughs) with it. So the, the guide really helps and her voice is just so soothing. It just, it helps me keep in, in, in the space of meditation without drifting off to like, what do I need to get done for work today? Yeah. I am. Um, I, I have a couple of friends who told me that their wives bought calm and it was mainly because um, Matthew McConaughey does one of the stories. Oh yeah, he does. That's right. <laughs> and, the, and they, and they loved, and they loved his voice so much. It helped them go yes, to sleep. Yes, that, that, yeah. It says, it feels like he's lying next to me. They said, <laughs> Um, number four what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you i think the lesson of slow to hire uh fast to fire so this has happened uh, in a couple different ways and um with employees but most recently with a business partner where we didn't take the time to interview each other um long enough and make sure it was like the right fit and we rushed into the deal and it really shouldn't have and we're both great people but we just weren't a fit together so that's slow to hire fast to fire i like that that should be like a on a plaque on a wall i know right on my wall (laughs) (laughs) number five and what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them such a tough question. I, I really struggle in this area, especially because my, so my one business partner is my husband. Um, and then I, I own another business with my sister. She runs it, but I'm her, her partner, her silent partner. So it's really hard to split work in life. Um, and I don't think I do a good job. I think it's a daily battle and it's just, um, you know, I have to make rules for myself, like put the phone down at, you know, 8 PM. I have a, what's called a free day on Saturdays that I don't always adhere to the rule, but it's no, no work, including no email, which is the hard part. So I try. How, how do you, how do you deal with the challenges of one of your partners being your husband? How do, how does how does the 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 you know a bad day does it stay at work or do you do your best to sort of are you able to segregate them off? I think we are able to segregate them off now. It was harder when we were first starting the businesses, but now we have very different and distinct roles in the business, um, so we're able to kind of just segregate that. We update each other obviously when we get home and then kind of move on. 
Yeah. And uh, do you have the same sort of thing with your sister? Yes. Yep. Very different roles in the company. And yeah, and she's got, I, my husband and I are very similar. My, my sister is way more relaxed than I am. Um, so she does a really good job of keeping us like, you know, low drama and all that stuff. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Number six, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? I wish I would have given them advice to that. There's other, there's other people out there that can help. So when I was first starting out, I thought I had to learn all the lessons and do it on my own. Um, one of my other friends told me very smart that you can't make all the mistakes on your own in life. There's just not enough time. Um, and, and recently I I've joined organizations like entrepreneurs organization used to be YEO. And I wish I knew that there was help like that out for entrepreneurs when I was first starting out and not just been like, I have to figure all this out on my own. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's, I think it's one of the biggest challenges and I don't know whether it's a phase people go through or, you know, you said you were very sort of a type personality sort of thing, but it's, it's amazing whether it is ego driven or whether it is fear that someone's going to tell us we're doing it wrong. I'm not quite sure. Cause I suppose it depends on that personal um, sort of profile side of things. But once you start to understand that there's people out there that can help you, whether it is masterminding or coaching or mentoring or your entrepreneurial groups, and once you are willing to listen and see that other people make the same mistakes and you can learn from them before you do them, it can be amazingly liberating. Right. And very much so. Very much so. And and do you, how long have you been part of your entrepreneurial groups? Um, so this one in particular, six years. I did another one before that for three years. And you're also a founder of one, aren't you? Is that, is, is this is a small business coalition, that sort of thing? Like a support group? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's actually brand new. Um, it's a nonprofit that we started, the Small Business Coalition. It's to help disseminate information to small business owners. So, one thing, yeah, one thing we learned through the pandemic is it's just every day it's something different, and you're not sure how it affects your business. So we have a team um, that disseminates that information. It's uh, we're hoping to get to more of like the mastermind, but right now it's just um, email communications. Yeah, I think it's the masterminds. It's it's sometimes very hard to grasp how it can be work how it can work so well. I think once someone jumps in and goes, "Okay, I'm doing it." they will be massively amazed at how how beneficial that sort of support is um and realize it's not like we all sit in a ring and you know chant and stuff what is your personal definition of success so i am one of those believers that there's no end right there's a journey um so there's this quote uh by churchill and it's uh success is not uh, is not final failure is not final it's the courage to continue that counts so i think of myself as successful if i still have the courage to continue on the journey every day do you have like a vision do you have like a plan or the the a journey that you want to take or are you is it very, very loose for you? I know obviously you've got your businesses and stuff. So there's something in your head that goes, that's that I like to do that, that, and that. But do you have a sort of, you know, bucket list or anything like that that you adhere to? Yeah, I have, I have a bucket list. I have like a travel bucket list, which is obviously on hold right now. Um, <laughs> but um, I have like what I call more of a target that I'm going towards. Um, and the, the target would move or, you know, and, and the, for me, the target is, 
um, to help the most small business owners I can um, become financially successful. And so that's like the target I'm going towards. And, and kind of like how I started, like the journey, I don't know exactly what those steps are. Um, I'll plan in more one to three year increments, which has honestly really helped in the environment we're in now because it's very hard to design even a three-year plan today. Um, so my, I'll take that one year and three year plan and update it every year. Um, and, and then realign the target if I need to, but I haven't needed to over the last decade. It's just how I get to that target might be a little bit different than what I would have thought of 10 years ago. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And um, finally, do you have any like daily routines or, um, that, or rituals that have a huge positive impact to your day? Yes. Um, so I have a morning routine that I stick to pretty, um, consistently. Like I said, I'm a, a bit of a control freak and I, I suffer from anxiety. So this, my, my, um, morning routine really helps with my anxiety. So I get up every morning at five 30, I meditate. Um, I do a breathing exercise. It's the Wim Hof style for anyone who's followed Wim Hof before. Is that the dude in cold water? Yeah. The dude in cold water. Yeah. Which gets to that point in yeah, it's great. I just finished it. Um, and then I usually spend 30 minutes moving my body. So some sort of exercise. Um, and then I do a sauna cold plunge. So back to the Wim Hof, like I go into a hot sauna for 10 or 15 minutes, and then I plunge into 50, uh, 50 to 55 degree water for 10 to 60 seconds, depending on how cold it is outside. <laughs> um, and then once I'm done with that, I, I, I move on with my day. Wow. Okay. And, and uh, it's, it's that, it's the cold plunge bit. I hate cold. Now I live near Scotland, but it's, so what, what got you to try the, the, the sort of the Winhof stuff? So I actually, um, I, I, I heard about the breathing technique, not through Wim Hof specifically, but I, I attended a Tony Robbins conference and he does the cold plunge, the breathing in the cold plunge in a little bit of a different format, but how he describes it is he said, he does the breathing and more so the cold plunge to teach his mind that he's in control of it every day. Right. And I, that really rang true with me. It's like, all right, what can I do in the morning that I'm going to say to my mind that usually has a, its own thoughts. Um, I'm going to control you today. And, and the, the diving into the cold water, water really is, there's nothing. I mean, I live in Colorado too. So if you do it in the middle of January right now, it's, it's not exactly warm outside. So, um, yeah. And then I was introduced to Wim Hof after. Um, so I've probably been doing that for about three or four years. Yeah. I suppose there is a primeval survival thing that's going, are you bonkers jumping into cold water? And you're just going, yes. And then you just jump. I like it. Okay. And and do you, so for, for you is, do you often assess your sort of habits to go, okay, we're going to slightly change it or we're going to add something new or once you've got something that's works, are you very happy with going, okay, that's, that's what's going to do it. I, I haven't reevaluated in the last couple of years. I went through, I think it's been pretty consistent for two years. I went through a period where I was testing different things. Um, and now I'm at a point where I know this works and every time I mess with it, like, you know, I'll, I'll go through my day and I'll be like, I feel really down or, you know, I'm, I'm like not, not as energized. And I'm like, Oh, well it's cause I changed my morning routine. So I'm pretty consistent now. I love that. I love that. Well, we've come to the end. So the floor is now yours for t- to tell us how we can get hold, um, get hold of more information about you or anything else you would like to share. So please take it away. 
Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate that opportunity. It's been great being on the show. First of all, this is a fantastic conversation. Um, so if anyone's on social media, you can follow me at Jessica Fialkovich, um, F-I-A-L-K-O-V-I-C-H, like we talked about previous to the show. I have a complicated last name. Um, and for those interested in buying and selling businesses, I send out a very quick easy tip of the week about how to buy or sell a business profitably. And you can sign up for that at exitfactor.com backslash tips. So that's exitfactor.com backslash tips. Yeah. Fantastic. So I'll make sure all of that goes on to the show notes. Um, it just gives me the final opportunity to say thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on the show. I've really enjoyed it. I know the listeners are going to get loads from it. Um, and just to say, you know, wishing you the greatest success and stay safe. You as well. Thank you so much for having me again. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.